The Bill Myers Show podcast is sponsored by Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. Find out more about them at clouserdrilling.com. State Senator Dennis Linthicum back on the program. We'll have you on uh, cell phone this time. Who knows with the Internet uh, these days, uh, Senator, if you make it through on Skype. But anyway, we appreciate you being back on. How you doing, sir? You bet. It's always uh, fun to join up with you. Great conversations between you and Eric this morning. And um, it, it's just so fascinating, even your opening monologue with regard to the turmoil in the marketplace, the, as you call it, the lack of competence, not confidence. Well, that too, but competence is first and then confidence, you know, goes out the door next. Yeah, there just seems to be a a fraying of the system of the United States system. And there's a, there's a lot of fingers in that pie right now. But most important of all, I would dare say that it is the interference of government. Because, you know, when was the last time we actually had free market capitalism in the United States? 150 years ago, maybe? I don't know. Right. And I, t- I tell people that all the time. The political landscape, the fundamental political principles, our cultural outlook, the societal attitudes have been so thoroughly, you know, diminished and hammered by the left, including the news media, even ridiculed. We, you know, they, they didn't like us ridiculing dirty old men. So now they ridicule uh, white evangelical Christians, yeah. and and they get the moral high ground by doing that. It doesn't make sense. And what that leads to is it leads to a squelching or quelching of the ideas that um, make a competitive marketplace and competitive ideas. And as soon as you do that, you ruin all aspects of the economy because the economy is just this almost inspirational network of individual decision makers, millions of them across the board making decisions. Now with ice on the road, truckers can't put in enough hours to get through the slog to get their goods to market. This is an incredible um, unintended uh, or maybe intended consequence of government action. Well, just about everything is. I mean, think about it. What we consider free market capitalism right now, or what uh, what an American typically thinks of as a free market capitalism is uh, is an elastic currency printed at will by a central bank, which is kind of a cabal of, uh, of, of private bankers, right? And you're required to use that currency. We got that. This is part of free market capitalism, right? So you're required to use their funny money. And, uh, and then on top of that, um, your free market capitalism, you have to get your permits and you have to have to make sure your licenses are there and you've done your system development charges and you're paying your uh, your payroll taxes. And oh, by the way, do you have the health insurance benefits for your employees? I mean, you know, load after load after load and, and, and you know, on the system, you see what I'm getting at? And then people are going like, well, you know, the problem with this system is those greedy free market capitalists. <laughs> you know, wait a minute. You know, no, it's all managed. Every aspect about our economic activity these days, unless we're doing a garage sale. And even then, there's probably, a, you know, a limitation on how many garage sales you can do in your neighborhood. You know, the government gets involved in that, too. But, you know, yeah. the garage yeah. sales are about the uh, the only truly pure free market capitalism that we have these days, I'm thinking. Well, 
Well, yeah, and you didn't even mention the, you know, the cat tax, you know, that came up this morning mm-hmm. where minimum wage just went up at the beginning of the year and electricity costs are going up, and but electric service isn't improving in a free market because of competition, because of the uh, striving to please a customer so that he'll join your team, et cetera. Um, you have competition, innovation. You've got new ideas. You've got build out with with the government, you know, plan with the PUC reg- relegating every aspect of what your power company can and can't do, and how much you have to pay. Yeah, I was on a blog the other day, and uh, and they were complaining and, and talking about you know what horrible things uh, PG and E has done to California, has done to California. And I think that someone else was saying the same thing about, you know, what uh, Pacific Power did, you know, to people with uh, with ratepayers, right? And I uh, and I was kind of flamed a little bit here, Senator, because I reminded them, guys, you have to understand that this is a totally regulated industry. And PG and E, oh, I remember what it was. They were complaining that they uh, that they were investing in green energy and they weren't actually investing money for the longest time in making their power lines safer. And I had I reminded all these people, you do realize that PG&E uh, was being told by the state that they had to invest in the green, right? Isn't that really what was going on? And, and people forget about that sometimes? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the entire uh, scandal of the EV market that you and Eric Peters talk about is through government mandate and and boondoggle or subsidy or tax credit, whatever you want to call it, is this enormous outflow of cash, political cash, political will and cash. It's not because the consumers wanted EVs. If you drive seven miles to the office, great. An EV is a perfect vehicle for you. In this cold weather, maybe not so perfect, but nevertheless, it might work. Uh, Where I live, an EV vehicle can't even get me to my job, you know, from Klamath to Salem. Oh, yeah. And and the other aspect about you, where you live, you're off the grid. You're on solar. You you, you wouldn't have enough solar capacity to be able to charge your EV, would you? Not not a not a dime's worth. And mm-hmm. look at the next ten days on your. Everybody should look at their phone and look at the weather report and look for the little sunshine symbol over the next ten days. So now you tell me what all of those giant solar arrays are producing over the next ten days. And when your brain comes to the conclusion, zip, not a none you will realize you've struck on the fallacy that renewable energy is the latest and greatest. It's not. For the next 10 days, I'm out of juice. I've got to go to my diesel tank and my generator to keep everything afloat. Same with all of the utility power, except for on a ginormous scale. Now, Senator, that's what you're having to do in your off-grid home over there in eastern Oregon. And... The system, though, that is planned by Salem is exactly what you're dealing with. And you have to make a lot of sacrifices in order to do that, right? How are they expecting everybody else to live in the cities that way? Can't. I mean, this is, this is the, the dirty truth is none of this works. It just does not work. And it's dangerous. It's dangerous for the, uh, the birds in the windmill farms. It's, you know, the, 
the Ivanhoe, uh, I think that was Ivan Ivanhoe out in between uh, Los Angeles and Vegas, that giant, mm-hmm. you know, solar gain uh, facility is bankrupt, went bankrupt two years ago. And it was supposed to be the latest and greatest some number of gigawatts of uh, energy coming from a solar array. And they can't even make their payments. But they got all the skim off the top, didn't they? The cream rises to the top, and they took all the money and ran, you know, like the Sunelco, you know, thing, which was only $500 million. It was only half of a billion dollars back in the day. It was, oh, my gosh, look at this fraud. Today's fraud, you know, doesn't even, you know, come close. It's 50 times, 100 times greater because political agents, government will, legal actors, quote unquote, legal, are doing illegal things and pretending that it's it's valid because somebody voted for it. How do you think this is going to play out? I mean, are we just going to are we just going through that fourth turning? You know that uh, Strauss and Howe wrote about in which uh, the system just uh, collapses via revolution, whatever the case might be, uh, to hopefully rise out of the ashes. Or is there a way that we uh, avoid the damage that the political class is inflicting on Oregon uh, thanks to uh, misplaced thinking by voters? What do you think? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a, it, it is a, a marketing job. You know, it's a, it's a misrepresenting. And we used to think that our government agents were there to protect us in our consumer, you know, heyday, we we wanted them to make sure this drug was effective, even though we see today they're actually sponsoring products that are dangerous products, and they keep pretending like, oh, but it's okay, it's okay. There's no definitive studies, and that's an easy claim to refute because there are thousands and thousands of studies that show these products are dangerous products, but the government put their stamp of appeal on it. The government put their stamp of of appeal on election uh, fraud, Mm -hmm. and they said, oh, don't pay attention to election fraud in your county. It's not enough to talk about. But every voter in Jackson County has been disenfranchised to get the information, which is supposed to be FOIA information, publicly available for two years post-election time. To get that information was nine hundred and eighty-eight thousand dollar bill, and 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 who can afford and who can afford to do that? And that was done via a via administrative rule enforced by the Secretary of State, and done in, in accordance with legislation passed by the state legislature. Now, I don't think you voted for that, but that's where we are. Yeah, that's exactly right. So this is just panache. It's a flamboyant headdress of mythology. Everybody dances around in these costumes and pretends they're part of the new world and the new idea. But what they're doing underneath it all is they're destroying tradition, they're destroying Mm. truth, they're destroying science and our ability to actually evaluate um, the, the truth. Yeah, And that's why, uh, Senator Linthicum, I've talked about for the longest time that one of the most important things we can be doing is fighting for the truth. First and foremost, we tell the truth. We believe the truth. 
and we fight for the truth, you know, not this uh, relative truth that uh, I think that so many of the destructionists that you talk about in your most recent newsletter uh, do talk about. Hey, before we take off here, and uh, and you, I, I don't know, are, are you in Salem right now, or are you over in uh, Eastern Oregon right now? I, I I'm in in Eastern Oregon. Okay, right you're now. at home. Okay, okay, you're home. All right. I didn't know if you were still in legislative days or if that is uh, coming soon. Tell us about this February third event that you're going to be uh, taking part in. It's uh, what is it a uh, what is this uh, called? It, it, Western Liberty yeah, Network, it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, economist Stephen Moore, people will recognize his name as an economist writing for the Wall Street Journal mm-hmm. and Fox News and those kind of things. And uh, uh, Emily Campagno, uh, she uh, works for you see her a lot uh, in the morning hour. I'm not sure the name of her show, but I notice her on uh, the Gutfeld show or the five um, that are Fox News broadcasts. And then Grover Nordquist, Americans for Tax Reform. Myself, my topic actually is truth. So um, if you want to see me take apart the mirage that everybody is saying is fine, drink it, and you will kill yourself on this gritty sand, uh, come to this event. Um, It's an activist training event. It'll be an all-day event, and it's at the the, uh, Hilton uh, oh, I'm sorry. D- Diane says the Holiday Inn up mm-hmm. in Portland. Holiday Inn in Portland. So it's February 3rd. Is that a Saturday? I didn't look. Uh, yes, it is. It's okay. A, it's a, so there's a Friday evening event uh, that is just kind of a get-together, a meet-and-greet, and then the event runs Saturday. It's at the uh, the Hayden Island, Portland um, Holiday Inn. All right. This is the Western Liberty Network is what this is, and it's an activist training conference. Is that uh, what, what you have going on? Just want to make sure I understand. Yeah, it. yeah you, you can you can think about it as training. There there will be different breakout sessions and whatnot, but it'll be informative and it'll be filled with like minded individuals. So even if you you don't really want to you know take notes and whatever, it's worth it's worth listening to these speakers and seeing some of these folks. You know, like um, Stephen Moore is an excellent economist when I I read his stuff faithfully, and uh, he takes this stuff apart with a keen sense of what the overall look of the economy is. And so um, a wide variety. I I do not know what Emily will be talking about, but, um, you know, she's also fun to hear. She's witty. She's an attorney. Started as a Dallas cheerleader, became an attorney, is now a commentator, and um, quite sharp. So uh, it'll be a fun day. Well, anyone who's being sharp needs to be elevated here, too. Senator, always a good talk, and uh, you take care. Have a great week, and we will kick it around next Wednesday, too. All right? You be well. Thank you. We'll see you then. Uh, Bye-bye. All right. Electdennis.com, the main uh, website, and you can also sign up for his email alerts if you don't already have them, okay? It's uh, 732 at KMED KCMD. The much-anticipated Wipeout Hunger event is back, bringing 40 ounces or more of peanuts, sun, soy, or almond butter, and 10 ounces or more of jelly to Kelly's Automotive Service in Grants Pass or Medford, and we'll exchange that for a pair of wiper blades installed on your car valued up to $35. This is a great deal for you and the hungry of Southern Oregon. Wipeout Hunger runs from January 15th until February 16th. Kelly's Automotive Service, where we service your vehicle, but take care of you and Wipeout Hunger. 
All those personal goals you set for 2024 would be much easier to tackle if you're well-rested from a great night's sleep. And if one of those goals is to save money, get ready to clobber two canaries with one whopper of a rock. Now, during the 17th anniversary sale at Garrison Sleep, get six years interest-free financing OAC on a new perfectly plush or fantastically firm mattress or get 25% off. Save today and sleep your way through 2024. Garrisons.com. Happy holidays from Collaborative Publishing Solutions. This holiday season, CollabPub would like to thank our sponsor, Team Senior Referral Services. Team Senior Referral Services can simplify your search for assisted living, memory care, and adult foster homes, in-home care, and home health. And their services are 100% free. Visit them online at teamsenior.org or call today at 541-295-8230. And thank you again for sponsoring Collaborative Publishing Solutions. The Row Gardener is sponsored by Grange Co-op, and if you want to go organic, hey, that's great. However, see, organic fertilizers are not ready to use by the plant. They have to be worked on by soil bacteria to break them down into a usable form. It has to be in contact with the soil, and better if it's a couple, you know, an inch or two down. Call the Row Gardener live Saturdays 10 to noon and catch the Sunday morning encore at 9 on 106.3 KMED and 99.3 KCMD. One of each sold VIN 224482, MSRP 216153500 due, sportage VIN 69157, MSRP 3390, 4399 due, 10K miles per year, zero security deposit, all incentives and discounts to dealer, plus tax, title, license, 150 registration processing fee, trading in a vehicle will not eliminate your debt, negative equity applied to new loan balance, ends 131.24. With brand new Kias starting at $159 a month, it's time to get more in 24 at Kia Medford. More savings, more selection, more for your trade. Rush in now. Get a new 2024 Kia Soul LX Automatic, just one. 59 a month lease for a new 2024 Kia Sportage LX all-wheel drive. Only $199 a month lease, both for 24 months. Ready to get out of your current lease or loan? Once we make a deal, we'll pay off your trade no matter how much you owe. Need credit? Go to KiaMedford.com to get pre-approved in less than 30 seconds with no effect on your credit score. Get more in 24 with Souls $159 a month. Sportages $199 a month at Kia Medford. Click KiaMedford.com. KMED, KCMD News, sponsored by Millette Construction, specializing in foundation repair and replacement. Get on solid ground by visiting MilletConstruction.com. Good morning, I'm Bill Meyer with your NBC5 Morning News Update. Last night, Senator Jeff Golden held the first of his final two town halls, this going on before the 2024 legislative session. During the town hall, Senator Golden said he would not be voting to repeal Measure 110. Senator Golden also discussed funding for wildfire programs, a new behavioral health training program for SOU, and homelessness and housing issues. Senator Golden told KOBI 5 meetings like these are vital to connect with the community. He says he's even more ready for today's meeting in Ashland after seeing the successful conversations that took place at the Medford Library yesterday. Rogue Valley residents invited back tonight to come listen to the Senator's plans for the future and also ask their questions. Tonight's town hall meeting at the Ashland Library from 5.30 until 6.30. Governor Tina Kotek is announcing additional resources to help in the state's response to the extreme winter storm conditions. The State Emergency Coordination Center has been activated since Friday in response to the extreme weather across Oregon. Governor Kotek has also directed the Oregon Health Authority's Public Health Division to deploy volunteers to provide medical care in warming shelters across the state. 
She says state agencies are working around the clock, clearing state highways, ensuring drivers are operating safely on the road, and monitoring electrical outages. And that's the latest from NBC5 News. This hour of the Bill Meyer Show is proudly sponsored by Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros and Full Service Auto Repair. Hi, it's Jolene at Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros. If you're wondering about the condition of your tires, stop in and we'll check your tread level and give you an honest assessment on wear and your ability to navigate wet, slick roads. And if you need new tires, Phoenix Auto Center has a great selection of top brands like General, Hercules, Cooper, Continental, Falcon, Mastercraft, BF Goodrich, and more. For the best tire prices and service, see your local family-owned Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros on Main in Phoenix. If you're remodeling your house, start with the foundation. Millette Construction offers a no-pressure, thorough inspection of your home's foundation and a no-obligation estimate if your house needs work. The foundation is most important because all the repairs and upgrades you're planning from the floors, windows, doors, cabinets, even the roof can be affected if your foundation is unstable. Be sure you're on solid ground. Millette Construction will level your house and correct the shifting soil problem. Visit MilletteConstruction.com. Hi, I'm Lisa with Kelly's Automotive Service, and I'm on KMED and KCMD. 737, Kevin from Clouser Drilling joins me this morning. And, yeah, we can sit around and uh, jump out about uh, the great service over there the uh, with the well drilling and how it's cold and everything else. But, anyway, Kevin, we got some better news or some bigger news or bigger fish to fry this morning, don't we, when it comes to rules coming down from the uh, state of Oregon. This is something that... Jackson County Commissioner Roberts had uh, talked about uh, yesterday for a little bit. I wanted to expand a bit on that. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Bill. Thanks. All right. So when uh, Colleen Roberts was talking about this uh, public comment, looking for public comment on uh, on well rules, could you explain really what is uh, is going on here and uh, maybe put some meat on the bone for us, please? Yeah, and I think I think uh, Commissioner Roberts, her comments yesterday, I, I, we're glad that obviously that they're getting involved and mm-hmm. some of our leaders are engaging in water policy because uh, we really need their help. But uh, the information yesterday was not complete. There are two different types of wells in Oregon. There are exempt-use domestic wells that are, make up the majority of wells in Oregon. That's 88% of the wells that exist out there, and there's over 700 or excuse me, there's over uh, 300,000 domestic wells in Oregon. Um, And then there's wells that require a water right and a water right permit, and those are wells used for commercial purposes and agriculture. And that is, those wells, the permitted wells for for water rights, are the wells that are under a new, what we call a RAC at the State of Rules Advisory Committee, Mm -hmm. and it's a Groundwater Allocation Advisory Committee. So this, this... stuff they're looking at right now is not exempt use domestic wells it's permitted wells which they use 90 percent of the groundwater too in the state by the way so oh really so it's not yeah. it's not the uh the homeowner out on the rural land with a with a well that's using most of the water i didn't know that okay no the uh the volume of water that's used there's there's a, at any given day in oregon there might be 700 millions uh, 700 million gallons of groundwater pumped from aquifers, and a lot of the aquifers east of the Cascades are more productive than the ones here. A lot more volume, bigger farms, but these are for hay ranches, might be vineyards or orchards or vegetable farms, uh, different nurseries, operations like that, and that's those are the ones that need the groundwater right. Okay, and what is the 
what is the rule change which is uh, which is being discussed that we need to kind of weigh in on it because we're talking about the big agriculture users then right industrial that well it would be just agriculture they don't do industrial off of uh, wells do they i don't know i'm just throwing that out no there's a good question there there are it's, uh, some industrial uh, applications, they, they have a, a rule for them that they can use up to 5,000 gallons a day for industrial, but that's actually less than the 15,000 gallons a day that an exempt use domestic well can use. So a lot of industrial operations choose to follow with an exempt use well because they have better latitude with their well. Uh, but an industrial uh, operation, like our shop, for example, mm-hmm. we fill our water trucks with a well, but we, we have an exempt-use domestic well. It's not a commercial well that we're using to sell agriculture commercially with. Is the rule change, Kevin, about restricting the ability to drill these kind of wells or use these wells ultimately? Because this would strike me as potentially an attack on agriculture and other processes which are which are important, but maybe there's a reason to back off on that. Maybe we're you know losing aquifer or you know uh, continuing to have them go deeper and deeper, and maybe this is what the state's looking at. How would you want us to look at this? I guess you know through your lens. We would want a critical a critical look, a comprehensive look throughout the state, and not a one size fits all policy. So as they're going through this rack right now which one of our members of the Oregon Groundwater Association's on the rack he what they're doing is they're looking they're putting a freeze on new applications until they can get their feet on the ground and see cuz in some basins the aquifers are being withdrawn at, at a greater rate than the recharge rate like mm-hmm. for example Harney County they identified hey we're we're withdrawing 10% more than than is recharging and and we all know if we do that in our bank account very long well, the government can do it, but uh, well, yeah, but the the, the the government can't print water, though, right? It'd be nice. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> so the uh, we we would like to put a freeze on on any um, rules that are that come out of this rack, so that they can they can get better information because what they they rely on three basic tests to identify if a basin we're in the rogue basin mm-hmm. which is different than the Willamette basin and by the way uh yeah, the the rogue proud. basin are we withdrawing water faster than it's being recharged or do we know we don't know that because there hasn't been a comprehensive basin study um and so there there're three litmus tests for for determining when they do a groundwater study and issue a water right permit for an applicant is one, are the water levels reasonably stable in the area? And they use stream level measurements. They use uh, measurements in water wells. And currently, Water Resources has 1,300 observation wells that they have either testing equipment in or they have they go take manual measurements. So they're trying to get good information. And then they another determination with this, this is one where we're not sure that they can get good information, is no potential for substantial interference with surface water. That's really hard to determine if a well is actually directly. Okay, could, could, you, could you repeat that? I want to make sure I understand this because I know nothing about wells other than the fact that I like the water, okay? When yeah. you, so you're talking about substantial interference. This is another one of the rules that are being talked about. Uh, could you explain that again, Kevin? Again, yeah. Let's let's say that that this is an easy one uh, because it's a proximity. Bear Creek, for example. Let's say a, someone applies for a water right and they want to drill near Bear Creek. Well, Water Resources wants to. Their first thing is you have to be a quarter mile or further away. They say that's the the first thing. But okay. let's say they determine that you 
uh, are pumping a well near Bear Creek and it's depleting stream flow, um, then then that's the type of direct interference that they would not allow an issue a water right. So um, they don't want uh, groundwater to affect surface water stream flows in the streams and the rivers. How would they know? I'm just curious how how they would know that drilling a well here would actually suck from the stream itself. Well, and that's the that's the question our uh, Oregon Groundwater Association is asking, and some of the users like the Cattlemen's Association, the Farm Bureau, they're like we're how do we know that for sure? So that's why these basin studies that are very comprehensive are, are really necessary in each area because each area is unique. And, uh, you know, th- then they can have test wells near there. They can do water level measurements and do, and do more comprehensive stuff than they're doing now. And, um, and then they want to know, is, is groundwater available within the capacity of the resource? So, you know, they can't issue uh, a water right that's greater than, than the potential uh, to supply it. Well, that makes sense. I mean, that's a, a reasonable thing if we don't uh, think it can supply it. What are you going to do or what would you suggest that we do when we make public comments? I'm going to uh, post the links here to the uh, groundwater allocation rulemaking so people can weigh in on this and try to maybe get some sensible public policy because what you had mentioned here early in the talk here, Kevin, Kevin, by the way, from Clouser Drilling with me, you said you don't want a one-size-fits-all kind of uh, kind of rule on these uh, allocations, right? What else would you say? What would you say? How do you, how would you craft a comment that makes sense here? Yeah, we would like this, the Department, uh, Water Resources Department, and the Water Commission to look at at each basin individually and and look at those and and see what's going on specifically in that area. And so we're asking. We're asking our members of the Oregon Groundwater Association to to ask for a pause in finalizing the rules in this uh, Rules Advisory Committee on Groundwater Allocation. Okay. So just hold off. Don't move forward. Would you also suggest in a public comment that uh, perhaps the state of of Oregon should do a basin study, as you uh, termed it a little earlier? Yes, those have been done in the Klamath Basin because it's been a, a hotbed over there for a long time with water use, and, and they've been talking about doing them in more basins around the state. And there's a couple others that have been done, but we, we do feel that if they're going to make good policy, those should be done in all the basins, and those are done with USGS and water resources. Mm-hmm. Why hasn't it been done, in your opinion? Do you have one? I would think... <laughs> budgets and and uh, other things that have been a, a, a priority, but uh, it, it's starting to look like water is going to be the next frontier with climate change, quite frankly. And so, um, yeah, it's it's a big topic now. In other words, how the government reacts to the perceived climate change and what needs to be done? Is that kind of what you meant yeah. by that? Yeah. yeah. All right. Kevin, I wanted to uh, ask something, something that this may be a little political and, uh, and apologies for, for asking here. And have you been watching what's been going on over at the Klamath with the removal of the dams? Have you been paying any attention to that at all? Yes. Okay. Yes. Is there any way that people like you or me, if we had a bunch of, uh, of former stuff that, you know, sediment from a dam, if we just had it sitting on our farmland, could we just dump it in a river and it would be okay and just considered a part of uh, environmental restoration? You know, if we couldn't afford to uh, dredge it out like they were originally going to do. I'm just trying to figure out how it got to the point where 
they've been allowed to do on KRRC has been allowed to do what I don't think you or I or anybody else listening would be allowed to do out of the guise of this uh, removal. Am I right or wrong about that? I mean, you know all about this water stuff. Yeah, sediment sediment control in, is uh, is a big deal, and, and no, we wouldn't be able to do that huh. ourselves. You wouldn't, all right. I know that they doing all sorts of things to keep sediment from going into the streams, and yet here it is, we're just letting all the sediment flow down the river. Isn't that weird? Yeah, and it's, you know, a lot of the um, the dam removals and, and some of these uh, issues that are coming up with fish habitat and, and, and ecological things, uh, the same environmental groups are very active on both surface water and groundwater. And so, um, you know, one one group that's very active in policy is Water Watch of Oregon. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, they're very organized, they're very well-funded, they're smart, and, uh, you know, a lot of people make the comment, I guess, while the rest of us are working there, they're working on that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of stuff we do here with the Oregon Groundwater Association, it's volunteer. It's hundreds of hours of volunteer time. And and so I always like it, Bill, when you ask your listeners, you, you're like, hey, quit complaining, go do something. And I love that because there's a lot of a lot of people that, that cry about the problem, but they don't get in the game. They're throw, throwing cans from the cheap seats, you know? Yeah, and, and people will express like they're they're angry at the congressman, uh, congress critter, you know, somewhere or something like that. Well, have you ever written the letter or called? No. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe you ought to. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, yeah. You know, part of it, that you know, being active, that we're, our system is designed for us to be active participants not just always of voting for someone and thinking, well, I've done my job. I've done my, I voted, and, you know, and then off we go. Well, and Bill, we, we all cringe when they go into any session um, now. I mean, we wish, because it, it's like going to the mechanic with a problem with your car and they don't diagnose it and they just bolt a bunch of new parts on it and it's still broken. Our, our legislature is, there's too many bills and they need to, they need to back off on this stuff a little bit and, and evaluate what's working and what's not. I mean, we've talked to you talk a lot about some great topics, measure 110 and 114. And we know some things that have not worked and um, it, you know, they need to slow down on legislation. Yeah. In my, uh, well, in my benevolent dictatorship, uh, Kevin, what I would do is that I would charge $50,000 to each legislator for every bill they wished to write and bring to the floor. And I think that would sharpen minds pretty quickly. <laughs> I believe so. And I, I think our our local legislator. I mean, we've had a chance to meet him. That you had him on your show. There, oh, oh Dwayne, up there, yeah, Dwayne, such a barrage. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, like like drinking from a fire hose of uh, information. Hey, back on the uh, the water drilling before you take off here. And by the way, I will post the information on this groundwater allocation rulemaking. And so you're just asking, and maybe having every well, want everybody else just to weigh in and say. Let's have a pause here. Let's not do a one-size-fits-all. Let's maybe even get a basin study done before we start uh, throwing out uh, babies with the well water, so to speak, right? That kind of thing? That'd be a way of... Very, very well said. Oh. You know, and, and, and not one policy for the whole state in, in shutting everything down. Because there are unique problems and uh, opportunities within the various basins. They're not, uh, they don't all behave the same. What is the overall health you would think of uh, of the the water industry, so to speak? Here, uh, are you having to continue to go deeper and deeper and deeper all the time in South Oregon and uh, Southwest Oregon and uh, Northern California, or are things starting to uh, to smooth out a little bit? 
Yeah, I mean, for a while we were in a, a, an extended drought, and uh, of course, if we have a few more good years like this, so some of those water levels are going to uh, stabilize. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, we we have had to drill deeper, and there's some old wells that have failed due to construction issues, and people mistake those for, you know, oh my well went dry. Well, the well bore collapsed, or it caved in on the liner, and mm-hmm. and the water can't get to the pump chamber. So there's there's a pretty high percentage of well failures not due to a dry well, but uh, originally not not properly constructed to hold up, or a, a user over pumps their well and damages it. So, so over pumping a well can actually damage it deep in the earth. Then I didn't know that. It yeah. can, yeah. You have unequal pressures in the well bore where your liner is, uh, and outside the well bore, and your water level. The hydrostatic pressure of the of the water in the well bore, you know, stabilizes some of the things. You draw things down too quickly and and over pump a well. For example, putting a pump that's bigger than the production of the well, and a lot of people do it because they they size it and they say, well, this is what I want, not not what I have available, and they should really go about 70 to 80% or less of what the uh, well is capable of. So they overpump it, and, 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 and it collapses. Um, and it may not do it immediately, but it eventually will. These are the things that I would not know unless I talked to you, Kevin. I, I wouldn't, would not even think of that. I think, okay, what's the big deal? You pump it dry, it'll fill back in, life's good. You know. But, yeah, I didn't think about that. The water also holds the structure of the earth back somewhat. From uh, f- from crunching in on what you have uh, down there several hundred feet, right? That's that's kind of what you're talking about. It makes makes sense. All right. Yeah, yeah. And 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 one other thing, Bill, that I, I wanted to mention. It, it's it's a little bit off topic, but it regards it's regarding equipment. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you had seen the the large fine that the EPA gave Cummins. Um, uh, regarding Ram trucks and Dodge trucks, they're finding them on, from 2013 models. Now it looks like it's going to cover up to 22, and they're saying they basically the Volkswagen type emissions cheating. But <laughs> there is no due process when these things they just levy the fine. And, and uh, Cummins is a great company, one of the few that's willing to to play ball in the diesel market, and they're just really trying to damage our ability to have good engines and, and things that work. Are they uh, hoping that you're going to have the electric Tesla truck do your well drilling from now on over? Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. They're just not available. I think what they're doing is they're setting up a some sort of a a new tax structure. Well, you can keep what works even though there's nothing available. But here's your new tax. Uh huh. Um, and so that's a concern. But you know, for years the the, the diesel manufacturers have been improving and. And doing a great job with emissions, but they've been basically stuffing a COVID mask on their on their uh, trucks, and and they can't breathe. You know, they're restricted by all the filters that are coming out the exhaust. They get worse mileage, and they're uh-huh. reli- not as reliable. And so this is all kind of an effort to move us in that direction. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure a bit of a bit of nudging, as the case might be. I really appreciate you coming on this morning and talking about it. I'll get all this information up. And there was one other thing I wanted to uh, to touch on. Gosh, what was it? I'm sure it'll come to mind. It's something I should have written down here as soon as I thought about it during our talk. But Kevin at uh, Clouser Drilling, we appreciate you. Also, thank you for sponsoring the uh, podcast page and all the other things there. And we'll stay in touch, all right? Oh, I, know, I now okay, I finally remember what it was. I'm glad I should have written this out. But uh, is there any effort being pushed out there to meter 
uh, private user wells or private home wells out there. There's always talk and rumors and say that this that they want to that they want to do this ultimately. What is the truth of the matter from what you know so far? The truth of the matter is is no. I mean, it, it it's been floated out as an idea and vigorously mm-hmm. stomped down on exempt use domestic wells. So there's there's nothing on the horizon, and, and water resources really not going after that. Okay. At, at all, putting meters on domestic wells, and uh, but if you do have a water right well, you do have to self-report your water use because your water right gives you a specific use and an amount of use on your water. So those wells again that are water rights wells, they do have meters on those. Are we getting back to following the law a bit more than they were uh, the last few years when there were a lot of illegal? marijuana and hemp grows uh, going on in various areas in uh, Jackson and Josephine County. And I think people were using just standard uh, homeowner wells or those uh, those exempt wells for uh, agricultural purposes. There was a lot of that going on at the time, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. And water resources, I mean, I, I think they've tried to do a, a good job of, of monitoring that and, and, and stopping it where they can. I mean, they can't be everywhere, but I, I think they've really gotten a better handle on that. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Kevin, I appreciate the take on it. Thanks for letting us know more about this groundwater allocation rulemaking issue. It is a thing and we are hoping to get enough uh, good public comment out of this to have uh, the state back off the uh, final rulemaking and let's not do a one size fits all and let's just do the right thing for uh, Southwest Oregon. Okay. That sounds good, Bill. And we'll post a link on the Clouser Drilling website in the in the news page, too. All right. That's clouserdrilling.com. Thanks so much, Kevin. Be well. Thanks, Bill. 758 at KMED and KCMD. Coming up on the next Hughes Lumber. When two-by-fours get together, only one thing can happen. Walls get built. Check out the studs, followed by contractors and do-it-yourselfers. Featuring lumber, hardware, and siding. Starring decks, additions, and ADUs. It's the return of Home Enhancements. But watch out for that naughty pine. Get the best build for your buck values at Hughes Lumber, your top show for quality, price, selection, service. So don't miss Hughes Lumber on Crater Lake Highway next to Garrison's. Retired or retiring soon? How much money do you need to live comfortably? Retirement Planners of America is here for you. Would you like to have financial peace of mind? Here's how. Step one, find out the amount of money you'll need to retire. Step two, have a plan to get there. Step three, make sure that plan can take advantage of market gains but protect you from market losses. Discover how to do all three with a free consultation at 800-508-6108. That's 800-508-6108. All investments involve risk, including losses. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Spectrum Mobile brings you our best deal to start the new year. Now you can get unlimited mobile for $15 per line when you get two lines. Spectrum Mobile includes nationwide 5G and the fastest wireless speeds with unlimited talk, text, and data. Switch to Spectrum Mobile Unlimited for just $15 per line for 12 months when you get two lines with no added taxes or hidden fees and no contracts. Start saving on your mobile bill now. Call 855-235-4651 or visit a Spectrum store near you. Offer subject to change. Valid for new and qualified customers. Service not available in all areas. Per line activation fees, Spectrum Internet, and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Stephen Westfall Roofing, Inc., Southern Oregon's roofing experts want to serve you. This family-owned and operated team of experts would love to help you feel safe with a long-lasting roof over your head. From estimate to install, you'll be amazed with the workmanship this team provides. New construction, re-roofing, 
tile, metal, composition, skylights, and tunnels. Westfall makes it happen. Stephen Westfall Roofing Inc. gets it done. No more leaking, no more squeaking. Safe and secure. That's the Westfall way. Call today, CCB number 230804. Here at American Rancher Garage, we respect and support those individuals who currently or have previously served this great country and our local communities. As a small token of our respect and appreciation for their service, we extend our Heroes discount to all active or veteran military personnel and to our active or retired first responders. There is no way to completely repay your dedication to the protection of our country and communities, but we will do what we can. The Bill Myers Show is on 106.3 KMED and 99.3 KCMD. 8 o'clock, KMED, KMED HD1, Eagle Point, Medford, KCMD Grants Pass, translator K294AS Ashland. Now then, what is going on with uh, Spectrum? Because Spectrum once again went out late last night, starting to have some problems, and then has been uh, dead in the water for quite some time. And there was a, a fiber event the day before that was blamed on the weather. You're talking about the weather here. Eric, uh, keeping me in the loop on this from Action Data Tell, and he uh, popped me this note from Spectrum. Spectrum Network Control reporting that construction teams have isolated the fiber events. In other words, we must have some, some bad fiber optic cable or something got cut or damaged, and it could be from the storm. could be what's uh, going on for all we know. And they are awaiting arrival of 2,000 feet of spare fiber, and they're going to replace the full span. And they're, oh, okay, this is the downside of it. No estimated time of restoring the service for for Spectrum at this time, all right? And we appreciate Eric keeping us in the loop on this one, but if there are any other updates, we'll let you know. And hopefully this is uh, going to be something where, I guess they thought they had it fixed yesterday, and it ran just fine for about 12 hours, then went out again just before midnight, okay? It's a couple minutes after 8.